Good morning, everyone. I am so humble and so thankful to be here with you this morning to share the Word of God. Can Chewy worship? The picture there you are about to see on the screen is, is Chewy. One of our family dogs. She died probably two weeks ago, and she was 14, which in human years, it's about 78 years old. Chewy was born just before my friend, my first grandchild, and she was with us all her life. She actually was my son's family dog. However, I took care of her so many times that it would not make any difference. She was my family. Chewy was noble, sweet, and smart, and fun to be with. She knew our psychology so well, human psychology, that she would anticipate our behavior and then would act upon it way ahead of time. In spite of the fact that we live in the same town, actually probably five to seven minutes away from each other, during the first lockdown of, of the pandemic, I sent a letter in the mail through the post office to my grandchildren. I wanted them to receive and actually uh, see a physical letter in the mail and not just a text or a phone call. I wanted them to have that experience. And you know when you write a letter, you touch the paper, you seal the envelope, you put the stamp on, and your DNA is there. You know that. <laughs> anyway, when my grandson opened his letter, and whole and behold, Chewy came to him and studied very carefully, sniffing the letter. She just knew that grandpa was in there. Once in a while, during the summertime, I used to take Shuey with me to family camp at Brooktondale Nazarene Camp near Ithaca. We used to spend several days there relaxing and, and having good time. And you know, a good, loving, trained dog doesn't bother you, doesn't yell at you, doesn't get mad at you. 
and on top of all of that, makes a very good company and protects you. So life at camp, especially, was so good between Chewie and I that I thought maybe I can bring her to the 7 p.m. service so we can worship together. That was a thought, something that I was thinking about. I knew that she would stay right there next to me, worshiping God. But I knew I could not bring her. Dogs were not allowed in the sanctuary, in the tabernacle. So it was just a thought that I had. However, was my idea of worshiping God together with Shui crazy or not? At least I thought it was myself until I read, I really read Revelation chapter 5 and chapter 4. And if you have a Bible there where you are, you can go ahead and get your Bible and follow with me, even though some of the scriptures are going to be up there in the front and the screen. But you can just go along with me on this. When I carefully read these two chapters, I clearly understood three fundamental things about worshiping God. But before I share them with you, very quick, quickly, I would like to explain to you what is going on here, what is happening in these two chapters. This last book of Revelation is actually a four-stage revelation. God has a revelation, a vision, a message for John the Apostle, and of course he wrote that, but that revelation takes four stages. He actually, God, gave the revelation to Jesus, and then Jesus gave the revelation to an angel, and an angel gave the revelation to the apostle John. And of course, again, he wrote all of that, and that's how we got the book of Revelation. That revelation, believe it or not, doesn't start with chapter 1, with chapter 2, or with chapter 3. It's actually a start with chapter 4. And here in chapter 4, the revelation starts with John seeing right there in heaven a door standing open. That's the first thing that he sees, a door standing open. Did you catch that? Heaven is not closed. Heaven is open. And it's open right now. 
not just for dead people or people who are dying, but heaven is open right now for people who are alive like you and I. And the key for us is to listen to the invitation and with faith and trust develop a meaningful relationship with Jesus. He is the door. Without Jesus, we cannot see anything. Without Jesus, we cannot go anywhere. Without Jesus, we cannot do anything. However, with Jesus, we can see the door of heaven is standing open. Contrary to popular, popular imagination, heaven should not be a distant place, probably billions and billions of light years away. That's what people think in their imagination. But actually, the Bible talks about heaven as a reality, God's a sphere of reality that through the presence of Jesus and through the presence of the Holy Spirit intersect, interact with us, with our ordinary reality, with our ordinary lives. Heaven is actually right here with us. And the door is open. But going back to our main subject, John is invited to go into the throne room of heaven. He's just invited to go in. And what he sees is the throne of heaven and God sitting on the throne. He sees the throne of heaven and God seated on the throne. And this was something highly significant for the Apostle John, and it is highly significant for each one of us today. When John was given this experience of seeing God seated on his throne, he was not in a good position. He was in a terrible situation. He actually was a prisoner of the Roman Empire in a very small island called Patmos. John needed this. He needed to see this. And I am going to share this with you with an open heart, without minimizing by any means your situation today, what you are going through today, what is happening to you and perhaps to a member of your family or a member of your community, without minimizing that at all by any means. In the middle of what is going on in the world around us today, 
and in our own lives, the one thing that we need to see is that God is seated on his throne. That is one thing that we all need to see, that God is seated on his throne. I know a couple that essentially started part of the group of people who mentor me, that I consider my mentor. He is going through a terrible cancer, and his wife also had cancer. And I communicate with them once in a while through Facebook or texting, and I never seen any hint that this couple don't see God seated on the throne. Never. For many months, the attitude is the same. God is in control. God is seated on his throne. He will let us know he will let everybody know that he is God. When we in our hearts understand that God is seated on his throne, then we are ready to worship him. And that is exactly what John C. Nets, a huge, extraordinary ceremony of worshiping God and Jesus, given to the one seated on the throne, glory and honor and thanks and blessings and praises forever and ever and ever. And out of that wonderful sin, we learn three fundamental things about worshiping God. Number one, number one, worshiping is for all. We all can participate worshiping. And by that we mean that one of the purposes of God's whole creation it's to worship him. Let's see, for example, what we find in Revelation chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Revelation chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Let's read that together. Also before the throne was something like a sea of glass similar to crystal. And in the middle and around the throne were four living creatures covered with ice and in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature was like a calf or an axe. The third living creature was like a flying 
was like, a, like the face like a man or had the face of a person. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. Here we find a lion, the king of the jungle. We find the calf, the, one of the stronger tamed animals. And we find the eagle, the king of the birds. And the other living creature had a face like a man, like a person, which that include us, each one of us, the human race. So this is a representation of the animal kingdom, and they are all ready to worship God. Can we worship God? Just about this, I would like to point out two things. A, we human beings to think twice, not only how we treat other human beings, but how we treat animals, how we treat God's creation. Proverbs 12.10 says, a righteous man cares about his animal's health. B, God's creation is not a bad creation. It's not something bad. Actually, the book of Genesis said that it is good. God himself pronounced that his creation is good. What is bad? is the corruption in the creation. That's what is bad. However, one of the hope of the Christians is that someday the Lord will liberate creation from corruption. That's one of the greatest hope that we have and one of the greatest promises in the Bible. Someday, the Lord God, through Jesus Christ and his power, will liberate the entire creation from corruption. But let's read now Revelation chapter 5, verse 11 through 14. Revelation chapter 5, verse 11 through 14. Because things are just about to get better. Let's read the passage. The passage. Revelation chapter 5, starting in verse 11. Then I look and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne. Remember, we are still in front of the throne of God. And also of living creatures and of the elders. Their number was countless, thousand plus thousand of thousands. They said with a loud voice, the lamb who was slaughtered is worth it to receive power 
and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. I heard every creature in heaven. Listen to that. I heard every creature in heaven on earth, under the earth, on the sea, and everything in them say, blessing and honor and glory and admonition to the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. So here we clearly receive angels, thousands and thousands of them. We see human beings, 24 elders. We see animals and all kind of living creatures, all of them together singing praises and worshiping God and Jesus Christ, the Lamb that was louder. Because worshiping is for all. We all can participate. Can we worship God? Are you worshiping God? The second thing that we learn from all of this is that worshiping is continue. Revelation 4, 8 says, Revelation 4, 8. Each of the living creatures had six wings. They were covered with eyes around and inside. Day and night, they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy. Lord God the Almighty, who was, who is, and who is coming. Day and night, they never stop. And how do we apply that to us today? But allow me to explain for a moment very quickly. Yes, there is that special kind, that special moment, like this morning, right here where we are. When we take a special time, a special moment to worship God, to sing praises to Him and to pray to Him. Sometimes we do it by ourselves. Wherever we are, sometimes we are at home, sometimes we are at work, sometimes we are driving, sometimes we are walking, and we just take that special moment to worship. Sometimes we do it as a family together, and of course, as I said before, we do it as a church, as a group of people. However, when that special time is over, when that is over, 
You don't say, well, I am done worshiping God today. I am done with that. So now I am going to worship myself. <laughs> now I am going to worship my family, to worship my pleasures, to worship my money, to worship my possessions, to worship my food, etc., etc. Again, you don't say something like that because worshiping and worshiping God alone is an attitude that we always should have because we were created for that. We, you and I, were created to worship all the time. Yes, believe it or not, that is part of our DNA to worship. This is so true that if we don't worship God, then we ended up worshiping someone else or worshiping something else. There is a word, a technical word for that, and that is idolatry. And if we don't worship God and, and we don't worship someone else or we don't worship something else, then, like it is the case many times, we ended up worshiping ourselves. And there is another word for that in psychology that is called narcissism. Worshiping the Lord is not only central to Christianity, but is central to the Christian life. I mean, to the whole life of a Christian person. Worshiping is continue, is forever and ever. It doesn't matter what you are doing, whether it is solving a mathematical problem or washing the dishes at home. It doesn't matter. Worshiping is something continue. Number three, worshiping is because. Everyone knows by now that genetically, animals and humans are very similar. Genetically, between me and a chimpanzee, it's only maybe two or four percent difference. This is part today of everyday science. It's, it's just common science. Everybody knows that. For example, we share the same DNA with cats, with cows, and with mice. We might don't like that. Who, who would like that? But that's the way it is. We share the same DNA with mice. However, 
What is the, one of the major difference between human and animals? What is one of the major differences? Besides the soul, the mind, and the spirit who come directly from God, beside that, if you would like to put it in linguistic term, the difference is the word because. That means that we have a reason, and a reason for worshiping and understanding exactly why we do it, why we worship. Our passage of Revelation chapter 4, verse 9 and 11, and Revelation chapter 5, 8 to 10, will help us to do that. Let's read again Revelation chapter 4, verse 9 to 11. It says, whenever the living creatures, you know, the lion, the eagle, the calf, whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to the one seated on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before the one sitting on the throne. Worship the one who lives forever and ever and cast their crown before the throne and say, Our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power for or because you gave, you have created all things, and because you will, you will, you will, they exist by your will, they will exist and were created. And then in chapter 5, verse 8 through 10, we, we read this. When he took the scroll, the four living creatures and the four others fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp and a gold bowl filled with incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the it seals because you were slaughtered and you redeemed people for God by your own blood from every tribe and language and people and nations. You made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they will reign on earth. Therefore, worshiping God is not only a commandment that was given to Moses, to given to the people of Israel, and then we got it today. No, worshiping the Lord, or we worship the Lord because He has redeemed us. He has saved us. He has rescued 
us. He has cleansed us with his own blood, and we are now part of the people of God. We worship because we have a reason for. Well, probably by now, you must be thinking, but Pastor Raul, all of this thing that you are talking about, that was happening in heaven, way up there, or whatever. That was just happening in heaven, but we are right now here on earth. Where you and I are in all of this, where you and I are in all of this, Pastor Raul, I am so glad that you asked me that question. So glad that you did that. Remember the 24 elders that we've been reading about in this chapter? Human beings. Remember those? Well, let's check them again, this 24 elder. Revelation 5a. Let's check them again. And please be patient with me. When he took the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. That means Jesus. They fell down before Jesus. Each one had a harp and a gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Did you notice that the 24 elders, each one of them had a harp and a gold bowl filled with incense, which are the prayers of the saint, meaning the prayer of each one of you, the prayer of each one of us, the prayers of all the Christians around the world right now, whether they are in church or whether they are in their homes or whether they are working right now, the prayers of all of them, the prayers of all of us. But first, the meaning of the harp. Our God is a God of music and poetry. Actually, probably half of the Bible is written in poetry. <laughs> we don't notice that because we're looking for other things. But the people who studied this text, they know that most of it is just poetry. That doesn't mean that it's not truth. It just means that it's written in poetry. Every single song that you write, every single song 
that you sing, every single instrument that you play, whatever the instrument is, every single noise that you make right from your heart, all of that goes right up to heaven as a continue act of worship to God. Every single one of them, every single noise that you make is an act of worship that go right, right to the throne of God. Actually, Psalm 150 said, Everything that breathes, praise the Lord. In other words, even when you breathe, it's an act of worship to God. But better yet, every single prayer that with humbleness is made right from here, right from earth, every single prayer that is made goes right to the throne of God. It's a present, it's incense to Him who is seated on the throne. It's an act of worship to him, every single one of them. Don't believe that your prayer doesn't mean anything. Never. A simple, humble prayer right from the heart. And in the name of Jesus is probably the most genuine act of worship that we can do. Thank you, Lord, for being so good to us and for giving us the gift of prayer. Yes, Lord, thank you for all the actions, all the songs, and all the instruments that are played as an act of worship to you. Actually, Lord, we ask, I ask that you help me that my whole life my entire life, all of it would be an act of worship to you. But for the time being, Lord, just receive this prayer from me. <laughs> right, Lord, in front of your throne is the prayer of my heart for me and for my brothers and sisters 
and from my friends that are listening now and they will listen later on. Thank you, Lord. And I pray in the name of Jesus, the lamb that was lame, glory be to him forever and ever. Amen.